inform our radio listeners that we are going to be engaged in a wonderful series of messages called Christ's Revelation of Things to Come, starting Sunday, May the 21st at 6.30 p.m. for eight weeks, and we're grateful to have Reverend Trudy White be our speaker for this special series on Revelation and the End Times, and that is starting Sunday, May 21st, 6.30, here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. So now would you give a wonderful welcome to Dr. Lisa Autar. Amen. Good morning. I hope that you all had a wonderful week, and welcome to those of you who are guests. After church one Sunday, a little boy said to his mother, who was just five years old, I know what I want to be when I grow up. The, muzzle, the mother puzzled by the five-year-old's response. She said, well, sweetheart, what do you want to be when you grow up? He says, I want to be a minister. Surprise, she asked. Well, that's, that's wonderful, but why would you want to be a minister? The five-year-old said, well... I have to go to church on Sundays anyways, and so it probably would be more fun to stand on stage and yell at people than to sit down and listen. <laughs> and I want you to know that it is hard work coming up with jokes for you, okay? So when you come across good jokes, feel free to send them my way. And thank you for those of you who do. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts in the New Testament, chapter 9. And as I was preparing this message, there was so many truths that came out of it. And so this is going to be part one and then in two weeks, we will have part two. So Acts chapter 9. And this is the story of Saul's conversion. And this morning, we will be reading the first nine verses. So verse 1 to 9. And if you are able to, would you stand with me as I read God's word? Acts chapter 9, starting from verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is contained in these passages of scripture. And we pray that, Lord, this morning you would open up our eyes and our minds to your truth and what you have to say to us. And we pray for us to respond obediently and accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Feel free to be seated. This passage here that we just read is probably the most famous conversion story in history. The story of Saul's encounter with God on the road to Damascus. You see, Saul had heard that there was certain Christians who had escaped to Damascus. And so he asked for letters of authority that he might go to Damascus and order those who had escaped to come back with him. So the scriptures say to take them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. The journey was about 140 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. And this journey would have been taken on foot. So they would have walked 140 miles. And the trip would have been about one week in total. Saul's only companions were the officers who were with him of the Sanhedrin, who were basically like um, a police force, you could say. But because he was a Pharisee, he could have nothing to do with them, so he had to walk alone. And so we can picture the officers of the Sanhedrin walking behind him as he walks up ahead alone on this journey. Yet it was on the road to Damascus that God encountered Saul in an amazing and miraculous way. You see, to understand who Saul was, you need to understand that Saul was a terrible person. He was a hater and a persecutor of Christians. If there was anyone who was more passionate about silencing those Christians, it was Saul. Yet God did not give up on him. And this can teach us, don't give up on the Saul's in your life. Don't give up on the Saul's in your life. Even though Saul was so terrible, people feared him, people hated him, people ran from his presence, God did not give up on him. And yet he had this amazing encounter that changed his life. God did not give up on him. God is able to change even the worst person you can think of into a committed follower of his. God is able to change hearts, to transform lives, to wipe away past sins. God is able to do that. In the Bible, we see different examples of that. One that comes to mind is a man named Zacchaeus, a man who was a tax collector, who people did not like because, you see, as tax collectors, they sometimes taxed people more than they should, and there was nothing that anyone could do about it. Yet, one day, Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed his life. His encounter with Jesus changed his life. You see, what we are not able to do, God is able to do. When we see someone who we think we're going to give up on, God says, don't give up on them because I'm not done with them yet. There are many people in our lives, in my life and in your life, I'm sure, that we are praying for, that we are constantly bringing before the Lord and saying, God, I want this person to come to know you. I want to have this person saved. But yet, they want nothing to do with you. They don't believe that you exist. They don't feel that they need you. But God says, keep praying for them. 
Don't give up on the Sauls in your life. Keep praying for that husband or wife who believe all Christians are hypocrites. Keep praying for that son or daughter who has walked away from the Lord. Keep praying for that family member who doesn't believe that God exists. Keep praying for that neighbor who is of a different religion. Keep praying for that co-worker who is an atheist. Keep praying. Do not give up on the unbelievers in your life. Don't give up on the souls in your life because God has not given up on them yet. And so we can continue to bring them before the Lord. And as we pray for them, as we commit them into the hands of the Lord, there is a beautiful scripture that I want to share with you. Sometimes when I don't know what to pray, I just pray scripture. And that's something that I want you maybe to do on a regular basis. But in Ezekiel, Pray this scripture over their lives. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Pray that over the unbelievers. Pray that over the souls in your life, but do not give up on them. Just as how God encountered Saul, God is able to encounter people over and over and over again and change them. Do not give up on the souls in your life. And maybe you know of some of those people who are considered souls in your life or unbelievers and you haven't yet prayed for them. I want to challenge you to make a list or even just one name or two names and commit them regularly to the Lord and pray for them. That is our responsibility to bring them before the Lord. And so I want to challenge you to write down at least one or two names and constantly pray for them and commit them to the Lord and see the amazing things that God will do. And you know, sometimes we will see them change and come to know the Lord in our lifetime, but sometimes it will take years, but that's okay. Keep praying and don't give up on the Saul's in your life. Saul was on his way to Damascus to find any Christians there who had escaped to bring them back to be punished. In verses 3 to 6, it tells us, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So Saul replies, who are you, Lord? And then he hears the voice say, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You see, on this journey, God intervened. The blinding light came from heaven and flashed. God got his attention. God got Saul's attention and he spoke to him, confirming that what the disciples were preaching and teaching and talking about was in fact true. Jesus was alive and Jesus is Lord. This is what he said to him. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, confirming that I am the real one the one who is God himself. 
You see, when we talk about Jesus, when we who have encountered Jesus talk about him to other people, we can tell all of the wonderful things he's done in our life. We can tell how he's changed us. He can, we can tell how he's healed us. We can tell how he's restored our relationship, how he's seen us through, how he's provided, and all of that is wonderful. But you see, what people need to experience is an encounter themselves. What people need is to encounter the one true living God for themselves. And when we truly encounter God, our lives will be changed. When we truly encounter God, our lives will be changed. Saul is an example of someone who truly encountered God and whose life was changed forever. For Saul, his encounter was obvious. It was an obvious and a dramatic one at that. It was one that couldn't be missed. It was one that there was no doubt this happened and this was the Lord speaking to him. And you see, sometimes we might encounter God in different ways and not even realize that we've encountered God. How is that so? Well, when Moses was... Tending to his sheep and his flock, he encountered God at the burning bush. He spoke to the burning bush, not realizing who it was that he was even speaking to. On the road to Damascus, on the road to Emmaus, there were two men, two disciples walking. All of a sudden, Jesus came and walked with them and spoke with them, and they did not recognize who it was they were speaking to. Mary at the tomb of Jesus came and as she was crying and weeping, she spoke to a man who she assumed was the gardener, yet he was Jesus, but she had no idea who she was speaking to until he revealed himself. You see, there are times where we encounter God that we don't even realize that we are encountering God, yet we need to be aware and recognize because we do not want to miss what God wants to say to us. We don't want to miss out on that encounter. We don't want to miss out on that chance to speak with God. We don't want to miss out on that blessing of being face to face with the one true living God. And in so many different ways, God reveals himself to us. God speaks to us. God moves in our life on a regular basis. In the Bible, we read of different stories and how dramatic and miraculous they were. But you see, in our everyday lives, God can encounter us. When we're on our way to work, when we're on the bus, when we're talking to someone at the mall or at the doctor's office, God is able to encounter us. Are we open to recognizing when he speaks? Are we open to recognizing those encounters? You see, when we truly encounter God, when we truly enter into the presence of the one true living God, we cannot help but recognize who we are in comparison to who he is. When we understand truly who God is, we see ourselves for what we really are, and it humbles us. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah gives us a glimpse of his vision. His vision of God after seeing the holiness and the greatness of God. He recognizes truly who he is. And he says, woe to me, I cried. 
I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, when we have a real, true encounter with God, we cannot be helped but changed. We cannot help but see ourselves for who we are and recognize our need for who God is when we truly encounter God. And as I said, there are so many different ways that we can encounter God. And when we come to church to worship, when we come into this building and gather together to worship, we should be encountering God as well. Not just here, but this is one of the places that we should. And sometimes people may walk away and wonder, well, I didn't feel anything in worship. I I didn't get anything from the message. I didn't get anything from the songs. You know, as I think about it, it causes me to think, God is here, God is speaking, his spirit is here and ready, but sometimes we're too busy and we're too occupied with so many other things that we miss the encounter that he has for us. Sometimes, even in worship, we can be too busy watching what everyone else is doing, watching what other people are wearing, watching if that person raises their hands in worship, then I'll raise my hand because I'll feel comfortable enough, wondering what we're going to have for lunch after church, wondering why that person is going to the altar again. There must be a lot of problems in their life. Wondering and thinking... Texting your friend back, checking Facebook, updating your Twitter account, doing all of these things except for encountering the one true living God. That is why we are here, to worship him, to worship God and nothing else, to put everything else aside, to stop focusing on what's going on around us and start focusing on the one who we are here to worship and to serve. Deeply immersed in meditation during a church service, an Italian poet named Dante failed to kneel at the appropriate moment. His enemies hurried to the bishop and demanded that Dante be punished for not kneeling when he was supposed to. Dante defended himself by saying, If those who accuse me had had their eyes closed, their minds on God, as I had, they too would have failed to notice the events around them, and they most certainly would not have noticed what I was doing. You see, when our minds and our hearts and our focus is on God, we'll start to lose ourselves in worship. We'll start to forget about what's going on around us and who's watching and who's looking and who's wearing what and who's not wearing what and who's doing what. And we'll focus on the reason that we are here for God. And we will encounter him. Have you encountered God recently? Have you encountered, have you heard from him? Have you experienced him in a real way? Because he is here and he wants to speak. After the Lord spoke to Saul, he was given instructions. Verse 6 says, Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You see, up to this moment, Saul was doing what he liked. 
Saul was doing what he thought best. Saul was doing his will, and he was doing what he wanted. Yet from this time forward, God says, I will tell you what to do. Get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You see, when we choose to follow Christ, we choose his will over ours. By choosing to follow Christ, we're choosing to do his will over our own. True Christ followers are men and women who have ceased to do what they want to do and who have begun to do what Christ wants them to do. Have you prayed that prayer saying, Lord, may your will be done in my life? Lord, have your way. May your will be done. You see, it is a dangerous prayer that we pray. Because are we truly willing to say, Lord, not what I want. It's not about what I want and what I feel and what I think best and what my desires are. But now, God, my life, I'm giving over to you and I'm saying, whatever you want, use me for your purposes. Whatever it is that you desire for me to do, I will do it. I'm making myself available. It is a powerful prayer. It is a scary prayer because we no longer are doing what we want, but we're saying, God, may your will be done in my life. May your will be done in my life. Whatever it is, may it be done. And as I was thinking of, of that, I was thinking of four different words. Do, give, work on, and cut off. And let me explain that. When I was thinking of God, have your way in my life. God, have your way in what you want me to do. God, have your way in what you want me to give. God, have your way in what you want me to work on. And God, have your way in the things that you want me to cut off. Have your way. Not what I want, but what you want. When we truly choose to follow Jesus, there are certain things that we need to understand will be different. You see, as Christians, yes, we are human beings, we are people, we are sinners saved by grace, but yet as the church, we are to be holy and set apart. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And what that means is we are not to engage, to love and to be lured by the sinful earthly desires, by our carnal natures. We are to set those things apart and to set our eyes on Jesus. And we need to understand that. Because when we choose to live as the rest of the world, it confuses people when they wonder what it means to be a Christian. And as Christians, we need to understand that if we are truly serious about following Jesus, there are certain places that we should no longer be going. There are certain things of entertainment, movies, music, TV shows that we should not be watching anymore. There are certain habits that we need to cut off and stop doing. There are even certain people that we need to let go of and put to the side who are not helping us. As Christians, we are called to be different. Not better than the rest of the world, but to be different so that we can point people to Jesus. Are you willing to say, Lord, not what I want, but what you want to be done in me? It is a powerful prayer, but we thank the Lord for his love and for his ability to help us. 
Don't give up on the souls in your life. When we truly encounter God, our lives will be changed. And by following Christ, we choose his will over ours. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the many truths that come out of this passage of scripture. We thank you for the challenges that have gone forth. And we pray, Father, for the souls in our life. We pray for the not yet believing people that we encounter every day, the people who are in our family, the people that we work with, the loved ones that we share life with. And we just pray, God, that you would help us to be that instrument that you use to bring them to that point of salvation. We pray that, God, you would help us on a regular basis to have encounters with you, that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice, and that we would recognize you, O oh God. And we pray that you would help us to put aside our own will and our own desires and to truly know what you want us to do. May your will be done in our lives. We thank you, God, for what you have already started and what you will continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.